<sighs> we got the running order. 191. No. 192. I'm changing it, unless you want to make a big deal about the fact I haven't changed it yet, which I'm changing now before we actually start, so don't come it. You've got one job, basically. I mean, fundamentally, your job is to just change the number. And look beautiful. Yeah, and you're failing miserably on both. <laughs> <laughs> look, you are annoying. Hey, listen, um, mm. I've just been going through James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. I'm sure you've read that because you've talked about it. Or are there lots of books on habits? I there suppose. are lots of books on habits. Okay, so this is the whole idea of the British cycling team and the making the 1% oh, yeah. difference and how that mm. all compounds. Brilliant, isn't it? I mean, it is just... Marginal gains. Marginal gains, just one mm. little bit. And it's, I found mm. it really inspiring, actually. Yeah, great. But I was thinking for you, mm. why don't you... Why don't you, Nick Page, just try and be 1% less annoying for a while? Because <laughs> it could build. You might um, even become a not annoying person in time. I don't think I'm here not to annoy you. <laughs> I don't think that's what I've been put on earth to do. I think I've been put on earth precisely to annoy you into wholeness, Joe. That's what I'm <laughs> Thank you. What a gift you have. Welcome everyone to episode 191, it's not, it's 192 which has been through It even says 192, anyway, carry on. It doesn't say 192 on mine. Anyway, 192 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast, my name's Nick Page, and uh, there is Joe Davis, not at all being annoyed by me. No, not at all. (laughs) Hello everyone, nice to be back with you sensible people. If they were that sensible, they wouldn't be listening. Let's be honest. Well, that is a point. <laughs> anyway, 192. Uh, how are you? There you are. It rhymes. Obviously, I'm old, um, as we know, but I had a lovely mm. little birthday celebration on Friday night with this amazing venison stew. Apologies to all vegetarians listening. Cranberries, chestnuts, whole bottle of wine. Amazing. Wow. It's Yeah, it's a very beautiful thing. Here, and, oh, so I asked for some paints for my birthday. You'd like this. I asked for some paints. No. I, As you know, I can I do that thing that many people who are not artists do, doing, oh, I can't draw, I can't draw, oh, I can't do art, I can't do But I'm determined to do some um, when we take a break. So Great. I'm going to. Yeah, not... well, that's it. That Just go for it. It doesn't matter what people think or what it is. Yeah. And I don't intend to show anyone anyway. So there you go. Mm. So, yeah. Everyone's always more artistic than they think. I think everyone's always more creative than they think. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. Why Why is it we beat ourselves up over that? I mean, if we are created in the image of the divine, then we are creative, aren't we? But it just might take different forms. Well, I think we compare ourselves against the wrong things. So it's like, mm. it's like saying, well, I'm not going to play the guitar because I'll never be as good as Clapton. Mm. Well, you know, no, you won't. You know, and as an artist, you probably won't be. As good as Turner or somebody like you mm. know, but that that's not a that's not a reason not to have a go. No, exactly. It's not a reason why there isn't enjoyment in it. Um, I know. Yeah. Why don't we? Learn, why do we take so long to learn those kind of lessons? Why Why does it take getting to fifty seven to go? Do you know? I don't care. I'm just going to do it. 
Well, it's fun, isn't it? Because it sort of goes into an eclipse. So children, they'll paint. They don't care what it... They'll just show their pictures. They just have a great time. And then everybody gets worried about what other people think about them. Yeah. And so your painting Mm. becomes a way of saying, look, this is, you know, this is... I'm good at this painting lark, aren't I? You know, the painting becomes a way of sort of showing off or something. And therefore, if you're not very good at it, or you don't think you're very good at it... You, you feel self-conscious about it. And then maybe on later on in life, mm. you don't care anymore. No, it's true. It's true. It's a good stage to get to, I think. Mm. Anyway, so that's good. Ten, then, thank you. That's, that's better than being annoying, isn't it? Being understanding. See? <laughs> you could do this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wait till you show me one of your paintings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, so I'm all right. How, how are you doing? Well, I am apparently I'm annoying, but not as annoying as nostalgia. So here's the thing. I bought a very old laptop. So I have this old um, laptop, PowerBook, PowerBook G4 12-inch. It's, it's done, made in 2003, for And I wrote on it for yes. years. Yes. And I loved it. And okay. I loved the keyboard. And, of course, it can't really run much now, but it you could still write on it. So I thought, I thought I'd love to get that going again. Anyway, my old one's a bit battered and... So I bought one on eBay, and uh, when it came, the keyboard wasn't working. So, so I'm now having a to and fro with somebody, and I realised that actually all this is 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 this desire to sort of recapture something, you know. And (laughs) it was a bit daft. It's not like I'm going to write much on it. I was just going to sit there. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and it's causing me enormous hassle so nostalgia is just it's true you can only go forward not backwards i mean it's, it's, it's back to sort of make britain great again or america great or russia great or whatever it is that you're longing for no you've really got to move forward not backwards there you are anyway yeah you do and you forget you forget yeah. that actually these things always had strengths and weaknesses like i bought a typewriter not long ago because it's, I saw it in a shop, and it was the typewriter that I first started writing on. Okay. Um, a Remington Quiet Writer, it's called, and it's not quiet. Let me tell you that. Anyway, and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great just to type again? Would like it? all my heroes, Orwell, and all these people, they typed. <laughs> it's really annoying typing. <laughs> it's, really, it's really, it's really hard pressing. It's hard pressing the keys. You can't correct things. The thing doesn't keep up with you because you're so used now to typing really fast. You know? that is pretty... You're right. Nostalgia is annoying. It's a, it's a nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. That's what nostalgia okay. is anyway. Yeah, so that's good. annoying. Um, what else have we been doing? Planting. Planting. Oh, the good. Lent planting's going on. This yeah. is for Lent. Yeah. Uh, lupins and dahlias I planted. And then I realised, because I'm going away... I couldn't really plant stuff, so I've 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 planted some trees. I found this thing called one. Is it called Plant One Tree or One Tree Planted dot org? Okay. And they get, they work all around the world, and you can just buy any amount of trees you want. Right. So I thought, well, that'll 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 do. I'll so get you've some got of those. trees planting for while you're away and can't plant anything yourself. Is well, yeah, because you can't. I can't plant. Yeah, yeah I can't. Well, I suppose I could scatter wildflower seeds wherever I went, but p- people mm. might get annoyed if it was in their lawn or something. I don't know. Well, it's better than what you normally scatter when you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. That keeps the foxes away. Anyway, <laughs> um, and I feel really. I don't know. I was saying to Claire this morning. 
I'm starting to describe it. I don't feel on edge or not quite anxious, but I've got this horrible feeling all the time that I've forgotten something. Do you know oh, what? Right. Have you yeah. ever had this? I just yeah. feel like there's something I've forgotten, something important. I get like that when I'm tired. Are you tired? Right. Yeah, I think that must mm. be it. Mm. You know, I just don't feel quite up to speed, really. This bodes well for this podcast. There's a lot of factors going in there, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, the phrase you often hear people say is, I feel a bit out of sorts. Yes. But I think it's not surprising, given, as we've said before, I mean, we we navigated our way through the angst of Brexit. And then we and then we had a pandemic and then you can mm. see the end of it coming and and then there's a war and it, <laughs> and I, I, I'm bad. not surprised people are feeling out of sorts really yeah, at all yeah. what people need is a break <laughs> they just need some breathing space of what we used to call normality not that I think I know what that is well yeah I think that's right and I actually I actually wanted to pick up on this from last week because I remember you t- saying last week about how you want you felt like you were really looking forward to a holiday you needed a holiday mm. and yet it was almost wrong it was almost like a first world problem to need a holiday oh yeah yeah and the more I thought about it the more I thought that really isn't right you know because the thing is yes of course there's always lots of issues in the world but actually um, we absolutely need joy and rest in our lives you know they are mm. primal needs mm. and yeah. every human being needs them um and i i wonder if this is how we've been affected by by sort of puritanism and and, and long calvin in our, <laughs> yeah exactly you know the idea that anything joyful must inherently be sinful <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, that's right yeah you and know bad it, got, yeah god frowns upon it or at the very least superficial and trivial. You know, so a holiday is like a, a sort of a superficial kind of, you know, thing that you do. It's not it's not absolutely necessary. And of course it isn't absolutely necessary. Very, very few things are absolutely necessary, like, you know, shelter, f- food and water. But they are important, you mm. know. Yeah. They're not absolutely necessary, but they are necessary. You know, it's kind of... Um, so I, I just think that, you know, we sh- we can't keep going on feeling guilty about... Well, it's a strange of, thing. I mean, kind of look, I, I saw this meme. Was, a friend of mine put this up on Facebook. <laughs> he says this, and I didn't find it helpful, I've got to say. Mm, okay. said, Instead of complaining about gas prices going up, try feeling grateful that you aren't sitting on a concrete floor in a train terminal, holding your cat, wondering if you're home and everyone you know has been blown to bits. Yeah, that's helped. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I get the energy behind that because, especially if you've if you've had your fill of people, you know, complaining to yes. you about seemingly trivial things, and I can understand the energy of it. Um, but you know, I wrote back. Well, would you mind if I did both? <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> exactly. I mean, and 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 that genuinely is my perspective. I want to be a grateful person, mm. thankful for the, you know, wonderful things that are in my life and I equally want to give energy to being concerned and doing whatever I can to help you know refugees and all the rest of it Mm. but is is there no place for complaining about the heating bills and the the rising is you know is that just wrong which is the implication behind that that you're some kind of moron if you 
if you care about this sort of trivial thing. And I think, no, I'm not I'm not going to do that. That felt like that felt like a rant in a very uh, guilt inducing sermon <laughs> to, to yeah. me. And I thought, no, I'm not I'm not having that. Really. <laughs> I, I, I think there is a place, a moan zone, which can be quite healthy Um I'm not saying it should be on Facebook or publicly, but I think you've got to have your friends where you go, do you know what? There's a lot going on in the world and I do genuinely care about that stuff. But here's here's what's going on for me. And this stuff still matters to me. Yeah, don't don't judge it. It just does. (laughs) The fact is also that it matters to a huge amount of people who are genuinely worried Mm. about being able to afford to heat their houses or fill their cars up in the future. It's not. It's not a trivial thing for them. You know, they, they're, they're, there are lots of people who have, you know, very little money left at the end of the week and have to budget really carefully, and that's a really important thing. So actually saying to them, well, it could be worse, you could be bombed, that's not really helpful. It's not really, it, is it? <laughs> it's not really compassionate or understanding. And it actually, also, more to the point, it never works anyway. So, you know, it is good to be thankful. I try and do that every day yeah, now yeah, and I'm trying to do it more and more. But equally, you're also aware that anxiety always expands to fill the space available to it mm. anyway. Mm. And also, you yeah. get into this ridiculous thing where you then end up feeling guilty because you're feeling, you know, bad about something. You think, you know, you, because <laughs> yeah. you feel anxious, you end up feeling more guilty about thinking anxious because there's no reason to feel anxious. It yeah, just exactly. doesn't work. <laughs> it's a surefire recipe for depression, that. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't work. Like you say, both things can be held. Yeah. And, and need to be addressed and need to, and we need to see both things in the light of each other. Really. Yeah. And, and we've talked a lot about prayer and things. And I think there's space in prayer for all things, really. Yes. There the, is. The, the small and the big. Yeah. And and I've got a poem which I'm going to end with on all this. Not now. Oh, right, I mean, it would, it would make a mercifully short podcast for people it who suddenly would, got their hopes up there. <laughs> no, you've got to sit through it. <laughs> but at the end, I'd like to read a poem by Mary Oliver about this very thing. Well, that is a fantastic thing. So thank you. Okay. Um, you know, loving Mary Oliver. So, uh, feedback. Go on then. And this is from Wendy. Uh, it says, I have been a reluctant spasmodic listener to the podcast. For the spasmodic, I think we'd probably read sensible uh, uh, to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the wife happy. However, gradually I became accustomed to your unique way of presenting issues close to my heart. As a recovering dyed-in-the-wool Holy Spirit Pentecostal, you can no doubt imagine the internal conflict I have experienced. However, yesterday I discovered a new personal spiritual exercise that I thought would be right up your street. I suffer from long-term physical and mental health problems and insomnia is one of the symptoms I regularly experience. I recently tried staying in bed all night. If I get up, I watch rubbish TV and eat too much. As I lay here with my mind racing, exhausted but too tired to pray properly, I have declared myself to be prinking. That's P-R-I-N-K-I-N-G. Prinking. Mm -hmm. A cross between praying and thinking. All totally acceptable to God, I am (laughs) sure. A complete reversal of many hours with my nose in the carpet to assure God of my earnestness in prayer that my body won't let me do anyhow now. Uh, I love the podcast and Saturday night before bed is now our regular Chuckle Brothers time. Bless you both. Wendy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, 
I do prinking as well, Wendy, but in my case, it's a cross between praying and drinking. So yes, indeed. <laughs> so we need to dis- distinguish between those two forms of prinking. <laughs> we probably do. I wouldn't recommend uh, mine. No, I love that. I love that. Uh, I've never been compared to one of the Chuckle Brothers. We ought to explain, actually, uh, to some of our uh, overseas listeners, Chuckle Brothers being a sort of British institution. Yes, indeed. Um, Comedic institution for children, really. Yes, indeed. I think I do a little bit of preeping, now I think about it, which is a cross between prayer and sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Preeping. Because I don't have insomnia. There we go. (laughs) Well, it's good that you do the combination that way around. Otherwise, if it's sleeping and praying, you'd end up with slaying if you didn't do it with the pee thing. (laughs) So you don't want to do that. You don't want to end up slaying. No, you don't want to be slaying. Um, No, I love that. And I agree, uh, Wendy. Uh, I think God is perfectly happy with however you pray. Yes, Um, indeed. And and indeed, in whatever turmoil you are, I think just to... Preempt the Mary Oliver poem. I've been. I've read one of her books of poetry this week. That's why I'm a bit overdosed on Mary Oliver. But she said there was a great quote in it. She said, "Sing if you can sing, and if not, still be musical inside yourself." I love that. You know, so you just do it as you can in whatever f- format you can. Pray as you can, not as you can't. No, exactly. That's such a good place to be to, because I, I mean, I can imagine being in back in your Pentecostal days, Wendy. I can imagine being the preacher at the front, telling you how you should pray. Oh, my golly. Like, one size fits all. and Oh, cringe. Well, we used to go to these things, didn't we? And and make ourselves feel guilty because we weren't these prayer warriors. We weren't getting remember? up at four in the morning and praying for an hour. Yeah, oh, well, now here's the thing. The hour. Oh, yeah. you, we've talked about this, I'm sure, in the past. The hour oh. that changes the world. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And then there was another version. And I remember going to a conference it was way back in the 80s where there was this American dude. And he kept talking. He kept talking about this program. And he kept talking about this, what I thought was a, a Japanese or Asian theologian called Kujinatari One Hour. What? Yeah, he kept saying, <laughs> he said, he kept saying, I've discovered Kujinatari One Hour. And we're all looking at, who is this Kujinatari One Hour? <laughs> And what it was was a prayer program called Could You Not Tarry One Hour? (laughs) (laughs) And you were supposed to basically sort of pray solidly for an hour, you know, on your knees or abase yourself or I don't know. Well, I know. I tried it and I got, I did an hour and then the next day I did, you know, 40 minutes and then the next day I gave up. (laughs) <laughs> but then didn't Jesus get annoyed with his disciples for falling asleep while they were praying? I mean, I suppose they feel they got the Bible on their side there or Jesus well, on their side. Exactly. <laughs> he was under a lot of pressure at the time, was, to be fair. Yeah. It was extreme circumstances. Anyway. Right. Shall we move on? Yes. yes. We, won't, we won't do a Bible study on Jesus getting annoyed with his disciples right now. We'll save it. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so this is from Vicky. Uh, she says, hi there, Joe but, and Nick. But I like the fact that and Nick is in brackets. Thank you. 
Uh, she says, hope you're okay. Uh, I'm still wrestling with the topic of prayer slash intervention slash what God's sovereignty looks like. I've received so many emails this week about joining in with days of prayer and fasting for Ukraine, badged with taglines like prayer is powerful, prayer changes things, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. She says, how does that work? Why is prayer seen as so powerful in the Bible? Why is our experience of it so different? And then I was in a meeting for Centering Prayer on Wednesday and someone shared the passage below, written by Jewish writer Etty Hillisum. I hope I've said that mm. right, uh, of whom I previously know nothing. It says, the passage called Sunday Morning Prayer starts uh, here and I found it mind-blowing, so sad and so powerful. I would love to know what you guys make of it and the implied theology. All the best, Vicky. So I've got this passage from the book and I'm going to read it. So this is by Jewish writer Etty Hillison. And it says this. Dear God, these are anxious times. Tonight, for the first time, I lay in the dark with burning eyes as scene after scene of human suffering passed before me. I shall promise you one thing. God, just one very small thing. I shall never burden my today with cares about tomorrow, although that takes some practice. Each day is sufficient unto itself. I shall try to help you, God, to stop my strength ebbing away, although I cannot vouch for it in advance. But one thing is becoming increasingly clear to me, that you cannot help us, that we must help you to help ourselves, and that is all we can manage these days, and also all that really matters that we safeguard that little piece of you, God, in ourselves and perhaps in others as well. Alas, there doesn't seem to be much you yourself can do about our circumstances, about our lives. Neither do I hold you responsible. You cannot help us, but we must help you and defend your dwelling place inside us to the last. There are, it is true, some who, even at this late stage, are putting their vacuum cleaners and silver forks and spoons in safekeeping instead of guarding you, dear God. And there are those who want to put their bodies in safekeeping, but who are nothing more than a shelter for a thousand fears and bitter feelings. And they say, I shan't let them get in me into their clutches, but they forget that no one is in their clutches who is in your arms. I'm beginning to feel a little more peaceful, God, thanks to this conversation with you. You are sure to go through some lean times with me now and then, when my faith weakens a little. But believe me, I shall always labour for you and remain faithful to you, and I shall never drive you from my presence. Well, there's quite a lot in there, isn't there? There's loads. And uh, unfortunately, the listeners don't have the luxury of having it written out in front of them. But if we were to discuss all the implications of what's being said there, we'd be here for many weeks, I feel. Well, I first came across Etty Hillisham in a book by Rowan Williams called right. Tokens to Trust, which is a brilliant book. Mm. And uh, she was, a, uh, as we said, Jewish woman. Um, I think she wasn't particularly religious before the war, but then she was She was arrested, um, mm. put into an internment camp, and then, then taken to Auschwitz, where she died. And um, he he talks about her deciding to sort of collaborate as it were with god deciding to take responsibility for 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 god's reputation as he puts it kind of thing mm. um and she says there must be she said this there must be someone to live through it all and bear witness to the fact that god lived even in these times and why should i not be that witness and for me it kind of really 
changed my view because, as Rowan Williams says, you know, she decided to take on responsibility for God's believability, which is an amazing phrase. Yeah. Especially in those circumstances. Yeah. 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 And yet I think that's really what how God works. You know, that God actually, he, he says, he's he's almost sort of given us the responsibility to show people what he's like at times. It's hard this though, isn't it? Because I can feel people going, I can't hear this or I don't want to think. About because don't we want at this time, like a really big, strong, powerful interventionist God who we mm. can say, God, take the evil away. And it's hard, isn't it? Because coming through mid-faith crisis, I think we always, we want to say, here's our creed. We believe in God. And, and perhaps we would add a God of love. But there's a whole lot of stuff we don't believe now. And and God isn't necessarily who we think God we want God to be or who we think God should be or the divine should be. But but this is how we this is how we find ourselves believing in God now. God is God is real. But maybe this suffering won't go away by us just praying it away. Maybe there's a much bigger process to prayer than than God outside intervening miraculously uh, to change something. And that's that's mature stuff, isn't it? That's quite hard to handle at difficult times. Well, I think it's 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 difficult because, um, you know, the the foundational literature, the Bible, just talks of God intervening in miraculous ways time and time again. Yeah. So, we could have a long talk about what those stories are, and we have had, and we yeah. probably will yeah. do again. I'm but, sure we will. But I think one thing you take out of that is however he operated in those times he doesn't do that now yeah yeah and so you know you can argue long and hard about you know the historicity of what we're still faced with the current reality which is that actually that doesn't seem god does not sweep in and miraculously remove dictators he just doesn't seem to do that no and therefore it does come back on on the the choices we have of the 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 of how we how we take responsibility for God's believability to use that yeah yeah mm. of, of what we're going to do about it and how we live our lives to that um, but there's big there's big questions about you know can can we still call God good in a world of evil and I think absolutely we can I think we can still call God love but the possibility of evil as we all well know it very much exists. Mm. Mm. Yeah, how we respond to that and what that and allowing that to impact our theology, I think, is really important. Rather than clinging on and saying a creed week after week after week that we just don't believe, and makes no sense. Anyway, there's lots more I could say about this, but I won't. Mm. Mm. Shall we move on? Yes. Well, we should move. We should move on because I think we have more on this subject, don't we? In a way. Well, yes, we do, because this is an email from Stuart um, and Stuart says, um, for, for a long time, I thought we need to discuss the C word. Yes, I'm sorry. I know we shouldn't. We've been taught not to. My mother would slap me across the face if she could. But it's time. The C word. Control. Sorry, I've said it. So many songs and comments in church about God being in control. And then he says, utter, utter bongos. Uh, he didn't say bongos. I say bongos. Uh, just to save you a job, in fact. Thank you. And he says, and that's an understatement. Since when is control a virtue? If I'm a controlling father, is that a good thing? 
as he both implied God had no intention of being in control and what a ridiculous universe and relationship that would be if he was. It's all about love and collaboration. Let's out one of the symptoms of long Calvinism, loss of a sense of control, uh, not taste or smell. <laughs> Time to grow up, takes responsibility, love, listen, collaborate. Peace and every good. And that's some Stu. Well, thank you, Stu. Uh, he's, he said that well, hasn't he? And that's a, you know, those last two emails do belong together, don't they, really? Yeah, I think that's I think that's uh, very helpful. Um, I, I, actually, hasn't he picked up on the words of the prophet Vanilla Ice, I believe? In- I, do you know he has? As in, stop collaborate and listen yeah you see i think the words of saint vanilla yes exactly uh, yeah no collaborate and listen seems to be a good way of operating with god in my opinion who knew he's a much underrated prophet he's a minor prophet vanilla he's a very minor he didn't, prophet. didn't have a lot to say but what he did was profound oh it was deep he's, he's like haggai or somebody he is he he's, 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 he's yeah. It's like a one chapter, um, Obadiah. Anyway, he's. Uh, look, I, I suppose what I'm trying to think through here is, what does it actually mean to be in control? Are we saying that God is not in control, or are we saying that it's not control as we usually um, sort of view it? Or am I just sort of trying to get out of it? I, I, I don't. I, I think there is an ultimate control. I think there is an ultimate direction of the universe. I think that all that's. Yes. Happening. I completely agree. I think we need to reframe our idea of control. Um, When my kids were little, I I don't know whether I controlled them, but, you know, I suppose I did have some say of whether they walked outside or stayed Mm. in or went to Mm. school or didn't go to school. But the journey has always been to complete freedom and love and relationship with them. Mm. Now I don't have any say on what they do and where they go. Uh, and nor would I want that responsibility and nor would that be healthy for them. But I do enjoy a relationship with them. So there is a sense of there's been a bit of movement that might have looked controlling earlier on. And, and maybe, I don't know, does that work for our kind of journey with the divine as well do we we start with a god who says do this so do that and a god who says do that so do that and we quite happily do it at that younger stage maybe it's even healthy for us but we we've got to move beyond that i mean trying to live like that now would be awful well i think it's trying to keep all this stuff in in tension together we often end up saying this Mm. don't we really yeah you know that um uh, but i think i think there is a sense in which God is in ultimate control of the universe and mm. what is happening. But yeah. somehow that control allows for an awful lot of freedom. I think that's what gets lost so much in Christianity, and we've talked a lot about it, is the, mm. the idea of individual freedom and, and choices. And, and really what Etty Hillison was saying, you know, mm. the, the, the individual's choice to represent God, mm. to, to, to collaborate with God, and she, she frames it in some very powerful ways by saying, it doesn't seem like you're going to do anything, so I better get on with it. Mm. <laughs> you know, which yeah. is, yeah. You know, if you read that out in, in a lot of churches, <laughs> yes. there would be some furrowed brows. It would be blasphemy, yeah. Yeah, and yet, yeah. actually, isn't that 
the case for a lot of just the practical side of life. Yeah. You know, God doesn't sort that out. It, it seems to me that, that God is much more interested in the other parts of our lives, the way in which we operate within this world and the way in which we operate with each other. Um, yeah. I don't know. Exactly. No, I completely agree with you. That, that, that has to be how it mm. works, doesn't it? It's like the loving father... He says, I don't mind where my kids are. They can be upstairs. They can be out in the garden. They can be, but I do care about how they're treating one another. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and in that sense, God is in control of my life because he's giving me yeah. the parameters within which to work. But he's also given me the freedom yeah. to, to, to go outside those boundaries um, should I choose. Yeah. And, I do, and, and I sort of, no matter how dark the world gets and, you know, how much that impacts impacts us eventually i i don't care my hope is that the end of the universe is this it's me abiding with god mm. and i i don't have any more detail than that i'm afraid but that that is an inspiring and hopeful enough in itself for me i i, I live quite happily with that absolute foundation i mean that for me that's like knowledge that's just mm. knowledge i i this is how this is the end game. Here's how it all works out. In the end, I abide in God, and that's good. Great. Yeah. Well, I just thought I'd say that. Yeah. yeah. Cheer us all along. <laughs> yeah. So, shall we? Um, shall we move on to Neil's? Uh, yes. Email? Okay. So, Neil says this. Dear Joe and Nick, thank you so much for being light in the darkness at the moment. The discussion about Ash Wednesday had me hooting with laughter, and was so much needed. Uh, one follow-up to the discussion involving the great saints Bananarama. I often say to myself and my children something along the following lines. People won't remember what you said. They won't remember what you did or what you were wearing. They will remember how you made them feel. That's in my mind a lot when I'm engaging with anybody. I try to be the light in the darkness when I can, where I am. I think it's also particularly important when I have discussed it with my children as it's a way I can say to them that life is not all about academic achievement. Just try to be a good person. Finally, he says, I went to an ashing service this week too. Like Nick, I enjoyed the service and especially the opportunity to walk through the middle of the city in Oxford afterwards, proudly letting people know who I am and whose I am. Take care, both of you. And that's from Neil. So he I likes a that. bit of ash too. That's good. Well, I love that ending, letting people know who I am and whose I am. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's what we've been talking about. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. letting people know whose you are, who who actually yeah you you, you have allegiance to. I yeah, know, that's great. Yeah, that's I think good. a moment of correction is needed, actually, Joe. And it's all it's a rebuke slightly to I can't remember who said it, either whether it was you or me. Whether I'm self rebuking, I'm not sure here. Okay, oh, that's a, an interesting way to operate. <laughs> yeah, well. It's technically a criminal offence, I think, but I'm, I'm, we'll let it go. Um, it ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. Yeah. Was, of course, by uh, the Saints Fun Boy 3. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. with backing yeah. vocals by uh, Saints Banana Rama. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. Thank you, Neil. That, I thought it was uh, really good. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's exactly right. That is how people are remembered, not just for what they say and what they wear, but how they make people feel. And I have to say, it's been quite tricky in a way navigating these last few weeks in terms mm. of thinking, well, you know, what do we say and how do we, you know, react to it? I mean, it's not like we're, you know, massive audience or anything, but you do feel that. I suppose I am... I, I suppose we are trying to kind of emphasise joy at the moment and 
yeah. whatever you can, because there is a lot of darkness around, as you said, really. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we, we celebrated my birthday on Friday night and we had friends round and we cooked a wonderful meal. But, you know, we, we did light a candle and put the hmm. prayer hands out. And, you know, we just just as a way of acknowledging, hey, I'm so grateful to be having fun and celebrating friendship and love and great food and wine with you tonight. But I'm also lighting this candle because I'm mindful of all those who can't enjoy anything like what we're having. And, and not, not as a guilt trip and not as anything, but just to say, look, this is in my heart too. They can coexist, which is why I don't feel guilty about moaning about, or worrying about rising prices when, after all, I'm not being bombed out of my home because I can mm. care about both those things. And I can celebrate and have a birthday party. And I can also be mindful that there are, you know, I'm very fortunate indeed to be able to do this. Yeah. Doesn't seem to conflict for me. No. Well, uh, talking of joy, we should uh, bring this podcast to an end. (laughs) Oh, let's give everyone a break. We're finishing. And raise the spirits of everyone listening. Um, (laughs) Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We do appreciate it. Thank you for writing in. If people wish to use their email machines to contribute, Joe, where should they send those emails? Well, why don't they just uh, send their emails on their email machines to joe at midfaithcrisis.org? That would be fabulous. Thank you. Why don't they do that? Mm. Uh, Thank you to everyone who supports the podcast. That is uh, a lovely thing. Oh, man, haven't we been enjoying those coffees we're getting on people? Thank you so oh, yeah. much at the moment. Very good. Um, and, yeah, so we're very grateful for, for our audience and for this community. Yes. And um, I'd, like to, I'd like to read a poem to end Thank with. you. Love that. Uh, and this is a poem by Mary Oliver, and it is about the need to sort of get, get joy whenever you can, and it's called Don't Hesitate. Don't Hesitate. If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We are not wise and not often kind, and much can never be redeemed. Still, life has some possibility left. Perhaps this is its way of fighting back, that sometimes something happens better than all the riches of power in the world. It could be anything but very likely you notice it in the instant when love begins. Anyway, that's often the case. Anyway, whatever it is, don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not made to be a crumb. <laughs>